Welcome to Voices of E-Learning, reflecting the people living and breathing the future of education and online learning with your host, J.W. Marshall. Hello and welcome everyone to today's episode of the Voices of E-Learning. I'm your host, J.W. Marshall with Summit K-12 and with me as always is my co-host, Lena Marie Saleh with Canva. We are so excited that you're on today's episode because we have not gotten into um, this uh, area before on the podcast, which is always great to break new ground. Um, and so we're very excited to have with us uh, Rebecca Agostino from Multiverse. She is the direct, Senior Director of Delivery. Rebecca, how are you doing today? Hi, JW and Lena. Thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. And we love to start every episode, as our audience knows, with the same question to really give our audience a, a background on who you are. We like to ask, um, who are you and not what do you do, but what do you love about what you do? I love working in education and my career has been in this space in a number of different ways. And what I love most is um, that learning is this incredibly vulnerable and human adventure and educators get to walk alongside young people or people of any age who are embarking on that journey and creating the lives that they want for themselves. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And uh, I love getting to work in this space and, and witness that um, in, in our students in whatever form that may be. Just sticking in education, I think is always important because you also were an educator before this. So I think, I think it's a testament to how much you love education when you stay in the space and support it in different ways. So that's really great. Um, so on that note, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to Multiverse? Absolutely. Uh, I started my career in the classroom. I was a high school special educator in New York City. And after a few years teaching, I had the opportunity to open a new high school in a city called Camden, New Jersey. Um, it's a small city outside of Philadelphia um, and a really distressed city. Uh, it was actually the poorest in the U.S. at the time of our opening. Um, and there were a number of challenges that students were facing in and outside of school. Um, about 30% of our learners uh, had special needs and about 30% were language learners. And so we had really significant mountains to climb alongside our students um, with pretty significant constraints as well, and a task to build a safe, joyful, rigorous college preparatory high school. Um, and I loved that work. I loved our students and our team. Um, and in my five years as a leader there, I had a lot of reflections about um, the, the, the challenge uh, that we were facing uh, in the K-12 space. And, and in particular, I was thinking a lot about the role of the private sector. Um, you know, we had students who were, again, facing uh, challenges in and outside of school, maybe coming in below grade level and, and reading and math and, and our team working so tirelessly to build um, systems, curriculum and an educational experience that met their needs while also getting pressure, um, you know, from, from public organizations, um, the media, the economy to ensure that our students were ready for the, the technological demands um, that they, you know, were learning coding and data skills and, and everything we know that the modern worker needs to. Um, and I just had this thought that that's a lot for schools to carry. Um, and where does the private sector fit in? Where can companies support in this endeavor of building the workers for the new economy? Um, and so that really got my wheels turning. And that led me to business school to think about these questions around the intersection between education and work um, and also scale. And in that time, I absolutely fell in love with apprenticeships. I thought, here's a solution that 
brings in the private sector in a way that really aligns with their needs around filling skill gaps, around creating a representative workforce, while also creating a learning experience that really works for learners that I could imagine my former students absolutely loving being a part of. Um, And that led me to Multiverse. That's so great because a lot of... um just a lot of students don't necessarily have that opportunity to have those apprenticeships. And and I think that's really just an important segment to have for, you know, anyone who's like in the post post K-12, I guess, space. Coming from a background in K-12 education, what needs to change about the way that we look at higher education options for students post high school? I I think three main things need, need to change. I think first, college is so embedded in our culture and how we talk with young people about what comes next and how we hire. You know, the majority of job descriptions having some form of degree requirement, which really screens out the majority of Americans. And um, the way that that's embedded in our language, how we guide young people to think about their careers is really limiting both for young people and also for, for the business community. And so I think that's sort of the, the first change um, that I would see that would be most important. Um, after that, you know, I think about this disconnect between the education world and the working world and the skills that employers are saying they most need and how schools and universities are set up or not set up to, to deliver on that. And I think about this gap between learning time and then when, when learners are actually applying um, what they know. And, and I think that that also really needs to change. Um, and then the third thing that I think about is that in, in our current system, there's this norm that you do a training experience at the start of your career. And you're sort of on your own. And when I think about what the economy called for, for workers, you know, 30 years ago, it's remarkably different um, from what businesses need now. And, and I, I think it's pretty understood that people need to be upskilling and reskilling over the course of their career. And we just don't have the infrastructure for that yet. And so I, I think that's another area that we're going to really need to, to dive into in the coming years. Yeah, and the and the modern and you can say this like the modern education world, or I call it the new era of education, um, just really has changed. And we know that students are not coming out necessarily with the skill sets that they need. Um, but I also think that during the pandemic, which we'll talk a little bit more about these apprenticeships and things, really opened students' minds to what was available to them. And I think prior to that, they probably didn't really know or really didn't have that exposure. And now that they had some time to like think and look at things online and like just kind of breathe for a bit, they actually had a window of opportunity that they never had before. And I think that same thing was true for teachers. Like they really just didn't understand what was out there because just like you were in the classroom, I was in the classroom, we did like a very minimal experience teaching in the classroom. And then we're just like, okay, bye. And then you get there and you don't have any training. Education is unlike any other space where that you don't really have training when you go, you just do your small little apprenticeship in, <laughs> in college. And then you're free. It's like, bye. See ya. Hope you have a good day. And I hope you can really be the best that you can be as an educator. Um, so I definitely feel like the value of apprenticeships is, is just, so, so important. And I, and I love that you are spending time doing that work as well. Um, so a little bit more about, um, can you tell us a little bit more about the coaching aspect of Multiverse, what it is, and then why it's such an important part of the company? 
Absolutely. So our coaches have three functions. Um, first, they provide instruction. So they teach our apprentices the technical and what we call the durable skills that our apprentices need for success on the job. When we say durable skills, we mean professional skills, soft skills, a lot of other names, but I don't think they do them justice um, because of their importance. And I hope we get to talk a little bit more um, about this too. But coaches are providing that direct instruction through workshops and through boot camps so that our apprentices have the skills they need for success. Then our coaches for their title, provide coaching. So they help our apprentices translate that theoretical knowledge, the concepts that they're learning in their workshops to success on the job. That means um, that they are taking some of the most challenging technical concepts, maybe durable skills that are brand new to our apprentices and working with our apprentices to identify any gaps that they might have in their understanding or their application and create their own plans for personal development making sure that they're measuring their success and celebrating their success um, along the way. And, and then third, our coaches are working directly with the managers of the apprentices. We're a really important stakeholder for ensuring that apprentices are making this transition onto the job successfully. So they're supporting them in scoping the right projects, providing feedback, understanding what is an appropriate scope of work for apprentices at the start of the program versus at the end of the program, and really being that support and guidance for them um, along the journey. And you know, something that I, I so fundamentally believe in is that learning is really, really human and vulnerable and scary. And that our apprentices are making this decision every single day to show up as a novice at something. And when I think about the things that I'm brand new at, I, I just don't do them. Like I, mo most adults don't enjoy doing things that um, they haven't really mastered. And our apprentices are willing to come to work and say, this is new to me and I'm ready to learn. And because that is so human and so vulnerable, it's really important that there's a trusted partner walking alongside them and supporting them, you know, whether it's in a technical question or things like, what does my boss mean when they say blank? Or what do you wear to a company offsite? Um, we, we think about these unwritten rules that govern the workplace. And the role of the coach is to really make those written, to say, here's the clear set of expectations that you are going to face. Here's how you can meet them. Um, and, and really opening those doors for the apprentices to, to build their own pathways um, and, and to, to get to the places that they want to be in, in their careers. And um, it is so much fun to watch these incredibly skilled, brilliant educators and professionals. Our, our, you know, our coaches are all full-time multiverse coaches. They generally have an educational or an industry background breaking down these complex, difficult concepts and norms into the tools that apprentices need for success. And it's a real privilege to get to work with everyone on, on that team. And just the, I think coaching is what you're saying about coaching. That plays a very vital role. Uh, we say in post K-12, when you become career, you're in your career space, having a mentor is really, really important. So this provides them with the skill set, it sounds like, to have that same sort of mentorship opportunity, but with the coach that's really alongside them that they can trust and feel safe to ask questions and um, open up. And what you said, education and learning and upskilling is really quite vulnerable. Um, so being able to have that vulnerability and being able to trust those coaches is an important aspect of, of anything that we do. So I think it's a great skill set that's probably undervalued in a lot of places um, that you do need to have those mentorship type skills and know how to ask questions also. Yeah, you know, I, I think our current working system assumes that the average worker has personal or professional networks that they can call on um, to understand these norms and expectations. And 
if we want to build a truly equitable and accessible pathway into the new economy, then we need to know that not everyone does have access to those networks and we need to be able to provide them. Um, and the great news is that we can provide them, that everything is teachable, everything is learnable. Um, you just need to take the time to explain um, what are those you know, weird norms of the corporate world or how are you, you know, what is managing up and, and how, how does one receive and, and act on feedback and, and those things that really differentiate um, someone in a role for someone who's ready for the next role in their career. So what is the value that apprenticeships offer to the businesses and how can they shape the future of work? Yeah, so there are two main challenges that our clients are facing that we're able to, to support with. The first is the skills gap between the, the workers that are available and that clients can connect with today and the skills that they need to be able to scale and modernize and, and develop in our changing world. And then the second is that so many businesses are really struggling to build a workforce that is representative of the world around us. Um, our, our clients may know that they want to diversify um, their workforces, but not know how to get connected with the communities and the individuals that can really serve their needs and allow them to build the communities within their teams um, that they're hoping to do. Um, and apprenticeships can really uh, address both of those in a way that we're seeing higher ed really struggle to. Um, it, it requires a real nimbleness in curriculum. It requires an accessibility to partnerships, to lots of different types of individuals who could be a great fit for apprenticeships, but have been historically excluded from that space. So with the role of apprenticeships, how do they help to open those opportunities for those students or those who have maybe um, not have the ability to pay for that higher ed space or um, that are, you know, they're really talented um, regardless of their background, but just don't, they just like lack sometimes the financial means to have success post K-12? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, colleges are so cost prohibitive um, these days. The cost of colleges have just skyrocketed. And in addition to the, the cost being a blocker for, for so many young people, the burden of debt that so many new workers in the economy are, are saddled with is so challenging, not only in navigating their careers and future training opportunities, but also just living the lives that they that they want to, to have and have access to. And um, colleges have just been these gatekeepers for who gets access to, um, to good careers and, and financially secure jobs. And, and the reason that we see apprenticeships as a different pathway is that our apprenticeships are completely free for our apprentices. And, and on top of that, our apprentices are earning a full salary as they're apprenticing at, at the companies where they are working. And so it, it really is de-risking this training period so that apprentices don't have to make a, a trade-off between investing in their long-term career and supporting themselves and their families, and they can really do both. Um, and that security that really allows for a, a meaningful focus and development professionally as our apprentices aren't you know, holding down multiple jobs or, or worried about their finances and their benefits, they have the security to be really laser focused on their development and their trajectory um, within the companies where, where they're placed. I, I think another you know, really significant part of our program is how we lead our admissions team. 
admissions team builds partnerships with young people and development organizations across the country, really focusing on, on we say, grit over grades. So thinking not, you know, what is someone's GPA or what kinds of schools did they go to or where did they grow up? But instead, what about distance traveled? What about persistence? What about um, the durable skills that we know are true indicators of future success and development? And how can we help to identify those and connect those individuals who are brilliant and ambitious and persistent um, with clients who are looking um, for, for apprentices that, that match that description? Um, and, you know, I think there, there's really growing momentum in, in this space. We see increasing support for apprenticeships from the Biden administration and investment from lots of individual companies and certainly providers like Multiverse. And there's a really exciting wave of enthusiasm um, for thinking about things differently. Yeah, and colleges have been a gatekeeper for a really long time, right? Until pretty recently, it really mattered where you went to college. Um, it really mattered that you had a, an MBA or that you had a master's degree or any of those types of things. And we're starting to see a lot of these like big tech companies kind of breaking down those those walls, I think, a little bit and and kind of going different routes like, you know, apprenticeships or um, internships or different things like that. Because before it wasn't right. It was like, oh, you went to Harvard. OK, great. You could, you're the only one that can work in this company. Um, but now we're seeing those windows of opportunity, I think, opening up a little bit more. Um, and I also think what you said about um, the students being able to be paid for those apprenticeships, you know, uh, for teaching, you don't get that, unfortunately, which would be a really nice skill set if they really decided to start doing that and empowering that in the teaching space. But um, having that, not having that financial burden is huge because not only were colleges gatekeepers, but the financial burden that comes with that, especially, you know, um, I, my parents didn't go to college um, my dad is from the Middle East and he didn't, you know, really have any schooling. So there was like no understanding of like how college worked and and how much debt you were going to be taking on and and how much that would affect your life um, really moving forward. So I think that's really great for, for them to not have to worry about that, right? They're getting mentorship and they're not having to worry about the financial aspects. That sounds like a win-win to me for students. Yeah. And, you know, there are other industries that use this model too. Like if we think about medicine and financial services and consulting, it's not just the trades that have used the apprenticeship model. Not everyone calls it an apprenticeship, but this idea that you can start making a contribution really early in your training and also guidance on that professional journey is really advantageous and allows an organization to train workers to be able to perform a task the way that they really want it to be performed. And, and that's not something that higher ed can guarantee um, because students are, are studying general topics and, and don't know what job they're going to have after college. But when you really can meld those two worlds, we can really deliver on, on what businesses need in terms of the specific skills that they need to see on a day-to-day -day while also meeting the needs of the learners financially. And um, as, as you said, you know, there aren't a lot of win-wins in the, in the education world. And, and I think this is one of them. And I think that makes it a really exciting solution kind of moving along with that, how is applied learning proven to be a better way to learn technical skills? So first I'll answer this with my teacher hat on. Um, it is hard to learn something in total isolation over a long period of time and then be expected to execute on it maybe years later. Like from a learning yeah. perspective, that's really hard. It doesn't make a ton of sense actually um, yeah. because <laughs> you don't retain specifics of information for, for that long. And, and also the way something is in theory is often very different than it is in practice. We don't operate in our in our jobs and in, in isolation you know we're on teams there are nuances to our projects there are expectations the world around us is changing and 
I think we do a real disservice to our learners if we don't teach them how to take in all of those different factors, all of that nuance and apply apply their skills in, in a very specific way. So I think, you know, in, in terms of applied learning, it, it is a, a really incredible way to learn. Um, I think of so many students that I had who were brilliant, but didn't love the classroom model. And, and I think that that's something that our current system doesn't really adapt for that. Some people love classroom learning, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people want to get their hands dirty. They want to jump in right away. And the apprenticeship model really allows for learners um, who, who have either of, of those two styles. Then you have on, you know, you know, the employer perspective here. Um, and, and as I was mentioning before, the employer in an apprenticeship is really there to guide what implementation looks like. And so they can take down a theoretical concept into bite-sized pieces and say, this is what step A should look like here. This is what we want step B to look like. And then they can make sure that the deliverable is really catered to their specific needs. And so applied learning I deeply believe is best for the learner. It's also really good for the client and for the employer who, you know, generally have specifications about how they want projects delivered, how um, to take code in an isolated um, incident and, and connect it to a broader project. And um, the applied learning model allows both parties to really get their needs met in that way. Yeah, and and students, you know, with college experience, traditional college experiences, or you know, even just in the K twelve space you are right that learning happens so much in isolation and there's not so much in practice, but it, but it is really great for, we've spoken about this before, but the ability for companies to really have their, their stake in what, in what workers are coming out with or the skill sets that they are, because the skills can be taught um, in, in applied practice, right? So you're not having to just be like, Oh, here's a book. Good luck. I hope you can fix everything, you know? So that, I think that's why people turn to YouTube, right? To like look for content because they can watch it and then they can apply it in practice. Um, Stop, pause, rewind, those types of things. So it is important. And then also like on both sides, you're getting the, the students are getting what they need, but more importantly, the corporate spaces being able to fill, fill these spaces that they for a long time have just been settling like, oh, you know, it's okay, like whatever. But this way they're really getting their hands dirty because you end up having to do that training either way. Um, so this actually gives a unique opportunity for it to move faster, I think, rather than, you know, a little bit slower of a process. Yeah, there, there's so much feedback in learning. Um, and in applied learning, you're getting feedback, you know, from the project results themselves, from your manager, from your coach, you're getting to it to course correct along the way versus learning in isolation and then being thrown in and saying, best of luck. <laughs> Hope we can figure out all, all of these moving pieces. And and by really making that a guided approach, we can support our apprentices and driving towards success and, and also help them stamp their learning to say, okay, what did you learn this time? What are you going to do differently next time? How are you absorbing this knowledge and helping them to understand how they can teach themselves the skills that they'll need down the line. Um, and so something we say to them a, a lot when they're creating their personal learning plans is that that's such a valuable skill that employers are looking for. When, when I hire someone to my team, I need them to be able to walk into a setting and say, okay, I don't know how to do everything that is in you know, maybe my job description or is that that is on my to-do list today, but I'm going to figure it out. And I know how to teach myself how to fill my own gaps. And that's also not something, it's not something I learned in my higher ed experience, but it's something that we're really able to guide our apprentices through so that they can replicate it independently later in their careers. Yeah. Um, so I actually would like to talk a little bit about, you mentioned just briefly this um, professional or their personal learning plan. Can you talk a little bit about 
exactly what that looks like. So when a student does come into the apprenticeship, we know they're getting the coaching and the different things like that, but it sounds like there is a little bit more for them, a little bit more ownership too on their side um, that they are having to like speak for. Yeah, our apprentices meet with their coaches monthly and they go through a process that we call professional practice. The first step is setting their learning objectives for the month. Um, that is in concert with what their manager is working on, with their long-term goals, um, with response to the assignments and the direct instruction that they're getting from their coach. And all of our apprentices always have a technical objective and a durable skill objective that they're focused on. Then from there, they're building out what we call a professional practice plan. We say everyone, everyone practices, athletes practice, musicians practice, professionals have to practice too. So what is your professional practice plan? Um, and that is the individual learning plan where an apprentice is determining the steps that they're going to take to help them to reach that, that final objective. And then really importantly, how they're going to communicate back to their manager what their learnings were. So I'll share an example, um, which, which comes up a lot. Some of our apprentices will say, you know, the really successful people on my team, they know how to present their work. And I've never done that before. So then they'll create a durable skill professional practice plan around presentation. Um, and they'll, they'll pick something they've worked on. They'll build a presentation. They'll meet with other members of their cohort and practice it and get feedback from their coach. Um, and then maybe record themselves presenting and send it to their manager and say, I've been really working on this. You know, I know there's a, a presentation coming out next Friday. I'd love to, I'd love to get a try at it. Here's the evidence that I'm ready to do it. And that really provides the managers with the security that, you know, their, their apprentice has practiced that skill in isolation although with a, a real world uh, or a real project that they're working on. And for the apprentice to get to practice that with the security of feedback before they dive in um, hands-on on their team. And um, the magic here is that our, our programs are standardized. So we offer a, a software engineering program that you know is executed at a number of our, our clients and with apprentices all over the country. But professional practice is completely personalized. And so it allows the apprentice to take their own strengths and weaknesses, their own opportunities for growth and really create a plan around that. And again, hopefully mimic that process over their whole careers so that years from now, like, oh, I'm really stuck with something. Okay. What's the process of identifying my objective, creating my plan, identifying my outcome at the end, and then communicating it back to my team. So they know that I can take on more responsibility. Reminds me of um, fostering genius hour, like in the, <laughs> in my classroom back in the day where they would come and they would set a goal like, Oh, this is what I want to learn. And here's the learning plan that I need to get there. Um, but it, but it is a very undervalued skill, right? You and I, in our posts in our career life here um, are having to set goals and having to upskill and continue doing those things because there are unfortunately no matter no matter if you went and you just moved just straight across you would still have um, skills and gaps that you need to learn how to do or how to figure out so um, we're always going to need to be goal setting and being able to fill our own gaps where they are so I think that's a really powerful thing for them to learn because we don't get that traditionally in, in K-12 life. So it's nice to see that they're having that opportunity post K-12. Um, okay, so <laughs> we touched about these uh, durable skills. Um, so it sounds like they have the technical skill and they have the durable skill. Um, how are the ways that you sort of teach those skills so they have that where they kind of come up with their own durable skill? Um, but what are some ways that you kind of help to foster and support that and why it doesn't play such an important role? Yeah, we teach durable skills quite similarly to technical skills. We have workshops where we set objectives, we break down the skills, we share exemplars, we talk about you know, edge cases and when it's difficult to execute um, to that standard, and then we provide practice. So we do role plays, we do case studies, um, we ask our apprentices to really practice those skills the same way they would practice coding or data analytics. And then 
they have that time one-on-one with their coach um, where they're talking through, okay, what does this look like for me? What does writing a professional email in my voice sound like? What is my leadership presence that I want to develop? Um, who is who is the um, person that I want to be and show up as um, in, in this space? And we're really able to tailor that to their specific um, interest and, and their skill level. And I think that's a hard part about teaching durable skills is that you know, if you're teaching a, a group of learners who've never done coding before, you you start at square zero. But you know, if we think about managing up or collaboration or conflict resolution, people come in with lots of different experiences and starting points. And so I think that really requires a lot of skill in our coaches to execute well. Um, but it's just as I might even argue more important than the technical development. You know, we know about 70% of the highest in-demand skills and employers are in durable skill areas um, and, and that a lot of other educational institutions struggle to teach these. Um, but by prioritizing them, we can really set up our apprentices to be successful and also to feel successful. We know that many of our apprentices are the only of an identity category on their team, um, especially in the tech space. And durable skills are an incredibly important part of our apprentices building confidence, overcoming imposter syndrome, and being able to walk into a space and say, I know what the norms are. I know what's expected here. I know how to navigate the unknowns. And I'm able to do that independently. And then I'm able to go back to my coach and talk about how it went and, and ask her advice for next time. Um, and, and so again, in you know, we really teach these quite similarly, um, but with that added component of personalized coaching so that we can help apprentices adapt to where they are in their durable skill journey and, and be as successful as possible. Makes me want to do an apprenticeship right now, you know, <laughs> what can I, I say for? <laughs> um, just something that I just feel like it's just, it's a missed opportunity in a lot of like higher ed spaces. So it's nice to see that there are these opportunities for students and hopefully, hopefully they'll be able to have this window of opportunity to know that that is um, out there um, and available for them. Do you traditionally work with only those who are just right out of the post K-12 space or are there opportunities for um, say myself, to come in and do an apprenticeship as well. Yeah, we have two kinds of programs. Um, so we have career starter programs for those who are 18 to 26 and do not have a college degree and are embarking on their first significant training experience in their careers. Um, and then we also have uh, apprenticeships for mid-career professionals, or we say established professionals who are upskilling in um, data and, and leadership competencies to develop in their careers. And as we build out our portfolio in the US, we really see both of these as being important that someone can start their career. And as I was mentioning at the beginning, come back to an apprenticeship model and level up so that they can you know, pivot and, and change industries or change roles as they would like to and as the economy changes and, and asks them to. Okay. Well, I think that takes us to the end of today's interview. But um, if somebody is looking to learn more about Multiverse or um, get in contact with you, what is the best way for them to, to reach out? Absolutely. Our website has a ton of information about the programs that we offer um, and also links to our blog where you can hear real stories from apprentices, from coaches, from other members of our team and how they experience their apprenticeship journey. Um, and those stories are such a human way to understand what this learning experience is like. And I really encourage anyone um, to check them out. I also welcome all LinkedIn connections and conversations. Um, this is such a new and exciting space and it will require all of us to partner and learn from each other and work together. And so I'm really excited to have conversations with those who are also excited about workforce development and apprenticeships. Very passionate about that as well. So thank you everybody for joining another episode of the Voices of E-Learning. Be sure to check us out anywhere where you stream your podcast or check us out on the Market Scale website. 
As always, you can find resources below in the show notes. And thank you again. And don't forget to join us for future interviews and check out our our past podcasts. And don't forget to always keep learning. Thank you, everybody. Bye.